You're listening to the weekly podcast by Forest Hill Church. Here you'll find a place to grow in your faith, get to know what the Bible's all about, and hear what it looks like to follow Christ. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest you, visit foresthill.org. If you're a parent, search for our new Forest Hill Parenting Podcast and subscribe to get new content tailored just for you. We actually saw each other at church um, a few days after meeting. Um, and we were both believers at the time, and that was a big part of our early dating relationship. A little less than a year into our marriage, we decided that we wanted to start a family, and that did not happen as quickly as we thought it would. Time turned into years, and we realized that we were going to be struggling with infertility, and it took a while to come to peace with just that this was God's timing. We had actually made the decision to adopt domestically. In the middle of that process, we found out Allie was pregnant uh, with our oldest son. About a year after Noah was born, we decided to have another baby. I did become pregnant after a while, but it ended in a miscarriage. I met a woman who had adopted three children from China, and she showed me all kinds of pictures and I was never able to get Chinese orphans off of my heart from that moment on. It took me a lot longer to uh, feel comfortable that this was God's call for our life to adopt internationally. Uh, but through praying and talking about it with Allie, uh, I shared her vision that this is what God was calling us to do. Once we went to China and we met our son, we saw that he was nonverbal and that he was just learning to take a couple steps and then fall and that he didn't have use of his hands very well. We thought that with the proper care, he would still be able to catch up with um, his age within about a year. After about a year of having Petey home with us, we took him to some specialists and found his actual diagnosis to be microcephaly, which renders a litany of challenges such as him being nonverbal and having severe ADHD. Throughout this process, God has really been challenging me, uh, and specifically my selfishness. Uh, the plans I had for myself, the things I wanted to do, the things I wanted my family to do, I really had to let go of a lot of that. God has really been working on me in the area of patience. Patience with other people, patience with situations, and really breaking down my desire to be able to control things. When we started this adoption journey, I felt very underqualified, and I still do on a daily basis. And yet God continues to provide for us each and every day for our needs, and for the things that we need to help Petey. Following God's will is really rewarding because I get to see His hand in our everyday life and in the lives of our children. Petey is such a blessing to our family and I just can't imagine a different brother for Noah. Noah absolutely adores him and is so proud of him. I think if you're facing a battle or a challenge in your life, it's usually our natural instinct to run away to run away to safety. Uh, but I, what I would ask someone who was thinking about that is, is it really safer to run away from the challenge if that's what God's calling you to do, which is to fight that battle? One of our goals in following Jesus is to become more Christ-like, and so we should not be surprised by these challenges. 
as terrifying as it was to step out as we did in faith and follow God's call for our lives, he has continued to bless us in ways that we could not have imagined. Isn't that a great story for Matt Osmond and Allie? Um, some of you may know that Matt is a, a Mecklenburg district judge, uh, a person who's in Christ but felt called to be in the world in politics, and we admire him and Allie so much. Uh, by the way, you just might want to know, too, the, the rest of the story in that uh, they had a long time of infertility, and, and then finally Noah was born, then another long time of infertility, then the pregnancy, then the miscarriage, and that's what led to Petey's adoption from China. And... Uh, I think you could probably see that Allie was there expecting, and they're going to have a little girl in December. So that's a part of God's <laughs> blessing to them. That's an Ephesians 3.20 kind yeah. of blessing that God gives above and beyond what we could ever hope for or even imagine. So they're an example of that. And both of them are Both of them are military background, yeah. Yeah, Matt's a JAG lawyer, yeah. uh, and then Allie is. U.S. Naval Academy graduate. You ought to see a picture of her in her little hat, you know. But that's, this is great because valor, you're going to learn more today, is a military term. Yeah, we're really grateful that you're here, and thank you for coming. We, we would like to just make a couple of quick announcements. First of all, when Harvey blew through and affected the Houston area like it did billions of dollars worth of damage, um, Forest Hill responded with a $30,000 gift through Samaritan's Purse. Wanted you to also know with Irma blowing through and all the damage and devastation it has done, this week we committed another $30,000 to Samaritan's Purse to help the folks caught in the wake of that disaster, and we wanted you to know that as well. Uh, you know, one of the advantages of a large church is we do have resources and we try to pray through faithfully how to vet your resources and to use them wisely. And that's very important for us. So we wanted you to know that. The other thing we wanted you to know is as Marilyn and I are doing this book uh, rooted in her book, Woman of Valor, trying to expose in a three-week series what is valor, what is courage, a very noted biblical term. Uh, we just wanted you to know this truth that all of the proceeds that we are earning through this book, as you go in the foyer and it's available, you can make a donation of $10, $100, whatever you want to, but because someone in the book, in the church has bought all of the books, 100% of every bit of the proceeds goes to help Hurricane Harvey victims, and it was $11,000 last week that you gave, so that too is added to the $30,000, and if you want a book this week, it's in the atrium, but just know everything you give, and if you can only give $5, that's fine, we don't care, we want you to have the book, is given to Hurricane Harvey victims, and we're not profiting one penny from this book or these outreaches and, and donations. The other thing I want you to know is this woman right here, with whom I've been married 39 years, my best friend and my closest companion in life, um, she has given all of the advance of this book, every single penny of it, to Seeds of Hope Scholars, which is a ministry to help send to college at-risk teens. So you need to know what kind of woman this person is named Marilyn Chadwick, my wife of all of these years. And I admire you greatly for well, doing well, that. Well, before you get too you know, excited about that, I mean, first of all, I just watched his example because last year, I guess, or a year and a half ago, he signed a book advance for, I mean, a book contract for what, three, three books? Three books, yeah. And one day he comes home and says, hey, I think the Lord's leading me to give 
all the advances, all the royalties, everything from these three books away, and it'll go to Mission India. And I kind of gulped. I was like, man, we still got a kid in college. Um, but, you know, true confession. So, so then I go and write the book on valor, and sure enough, when you pray, sometimes God talks back to you, and he tells you to do surprising things. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me, give it all away, don't even take a penny of it, which is a big deal for me because it's like a 1,000 hours, you know, to write one of these things. But, you know, it's amazing how when you trust God, he just opens up doors. And we had no idea that, first of all, the Seeds of Hope Scholars is a great ministry. I was excited to give to that. But I had no idea Harvey was going to blow through. And we spent the first, what, year and a half of our marriage in Houston. Some of our dearest friends on earth are there and have been hit hard. Nobody's lost their life. But it is a joy for all the proceeds to go to Houston. So it ends up being a real blessing. Yeah, so. and, and just to let you know, it's over $100,000. Just because we know millennials especially are very skeptical about books and churches and all that stuff. Yeah. Every penny that we've gotten from these books has been given away to third-person causes because we're not going to use ministry for the purpose of making money and making us rich. We just want you to know that, folks. That's our heart, and that's who we are. It's how God wired us. And we also want to challenge you to have a culture of yeah. generosity in your homes as well. And it's a little embarrassing to say, oh, look, aren't we great? We gave the money away. But somebody that was new to the church last week and kind of a skeptic by nature said to us, you know, you really need to be transparent about where this money goes because in this day and age in which we live, people are kind of used to people pocketing the extra money. Not that that's always a terrible thing, but in this case, this is what we did. And so um, there you go. I hope we did it well. <laughs> and as you walk out, you'll see moments of hope as a part of the books. Uh, just to let you know, try to keep you up on what's going on in our lives. Yeah. Um, moments of Hope is a 501c3 formed last year by Forest Hill Church to take all of our resources that we have garnered in 37 years of ministry and try to take them into the world. And, and that's the purpose of Moments of Hope. It has an executive director and all of that business. But again, its purpose is to try to take 37 years of, we've got nine books now and blogs and all kinds of different writings to take it into the world. And, and we just wanted you to hear this message from us as well. As in response to Moments of Hope being formed, some people have said, well, David and Marilyn must be on the way out. Folks, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. Here's the dream that we have now in this stage of life. Our kids are gone. Praise God. They're gone, you know. And, and we spent the first Finally. part of our, our married life building the church, the second part building our family. Now we want to build the world for Christ. And that's what we're going to do and spend. Look, 10 years ago, we set a vision for Forest Hill to plant four campuses all over Charlotte. We've planted five campuses. Have I told you we did all of that debt-free? We have not incurred one penny of debt. So all of that's debt free. Well, we've got a 10-year vision now facing us. I'm going to present it to the elders tomorrow night, to the staff later on this week. We're going to move forward with it. So you're just going to have to put up with us for a few more years if you don't mind it. But we want to change the world for Jesus Christ and for his glory. So that's kind of where we are, okay? All right. So since three of you applauded for that and the rest of you don't have a clue anyway, um, we want to move into this Valor message. Uh, we're trying to recapture this word valor for the Christian community. Honey, what does the word valor mean? Well, just the simple de dictionary definition of valor is showing courage in the face of danger. Um, but even if you don't know the definition, I think everybody knows valor and courage when you see it. And the, use, the word valor, actually the Hebrew word in the Old Testament for valor is spelled C-H-A. Y-I-L, and it's pronounced Heil. And it's a military term, as I said earlier, and means everything from warrior to troop 
to army. Sometimes it's used for God's angel armies. It, when you read about David's mighty men of valor, it's hayal. Um, it's just a strong, powerful term. It's used three times in the entire Old Testament to speak specifically about a woman. And I just found it curious. I kind of discovered this by accident when we were doing our book on marriage. But when you get to the Proverbs 31 woman, and some of you know about her, she's got this long list of accomplishments and most people feel tired when they read about her and think, is that the perfect woman? And it's usually translated competent woman, virtuous wife, excellent wife. But when I went back to the Hebrew, it's actually eshet, which means woman of hayal, valor, woman of valor. Now, doesn't that sound awesome? Woman of valor. And the crazy thing is, the only translations that I've found it translated to the English as woman of valor were the Orthodox Jewish Bible and then a really old Jewish Bible written back at the turn of the century. So I began to be curious about this and learn that women all over the world today that are Jewish or Messianic Jews love this term so much, partially because their husbands the night before Shabbat will either recite or sing the verses out of Proverbs 31, telling her what an awesome woman she is. But woman of valor, it's just a great concept. And so we thought valor is kind of a lost art today. We wanted to reclaim it. And when last week we looked at a person of valor in their own individual lives, and we challenged you to be courageous as you live for Christ, especially in this culture. My greatest fear, dear friends, is not that you'll be persecuted for your faith in Jesus. It's not that I would be persecuted for my faith in Jesus. That's not my greatest fear because the church has always thrived amidst persecution. Always, because it really weeds out who's kind of quasi-committed and who's not, and then those who are committed really take it to a new level. My greatest fear for you is that you'll become American, that you'll imbibe this godless American culture and think like this world thinks and not think like Jesus wants you to think. So we want you to be courageous, a person of valor as you face the world and give your life away in ministry. Uh, today we wanted to talk about being valorous as a person in relationship. Mm -hmm. And we want to look first of all at a character in the Old Testament named, named Ruth. Ruth. Yeah, and we're talking about valor at home today. And as we unpack that, you'll see that home means many different things for many different people. But and singles will be included in this oh, Absolutely, sure. everybody will, all ages and stages. But Ruth is one of only two women in the Bible to have a, a book named after her. Mm -hmm. And she was an outsider. In fact, she was living in sort of the backside of nowhere in the area of Moab. And David will talk more about the Moabites later, but they were not nice people. It was a pretty rough tribe. But here she is, this woman. And we find her because a woman named Naomi and her husband from the tribe of Israel, had left and gone to Moab. Why did yeah, they go? It was a severe famine in Israel. Uh, Naomi was married to a guy named Elimelech. They had two sons, and famine had come and caused them to flee. Meryl and I have been all over the world with different ministries that Forest Hills are part of. You know, we've seen in Sudan, for example, mm -hmm. the extraordinary pain that's caused by people losing their homes uh, because of famine or because of persecution or whatever the reason may be. We've seen Syrian refugees. Yeah, in that hunger part of here the world. is different. You know, hunger in America is rough, but when you go to these areas where you've got displaced people groups, the famine, the hunger, you can see it in the faces, it's grinding. 
So Naomi and Elimelech were going through a famine, and they said, we've got to find food for our boys. So they went into Moab, which was the enemy of Israel. If you read the biblical prophecies about different nations, you'll see that God pronounces a severe judgment through the prophets on Moab, just again, like Marilyn said, a godless people, but they had to have food. So they ran there and lived there, and the two boys eventually, over 10 years' time period, met two Moabitess girls and married them. And one of them was named Ruth. Ruth. And so after some period of time, Elimelech and the two sons die. And Naomi yearns for her homeland, turns to her two daughters-in-law and says, look, I'm going home. You two stay here. You can perhaps remarry, but I've got to go home. One of them did stay, but the second one named Ruth decided to go with Naomi back to Israel and says something extraordinary in the scripture. Marilyn, would you read those verses? Yeah, but Ruth said, and this is Ruth saying this to Naomi, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And that's from Ruth chapter 1. And those verses are often read at weddings and People ask me sometimes when I officiate weddings if I would have those verses read, and I always go, well, sure, I'll be more than happy to. You just need to know they weren't spoken between a husband and wife. They were spoken from a daughter-in-law to her (laughs) mother-in-law. Imagine that. Yes, I hope my (laughs) daughters-in-law like me that much. (laughs) Yeah, but but great words of covenant love. Covenant love. And we want to emphasize that term today, covenant love, because it's throughout the Bible. It's the kind of love that God has for us. Um, Covenant love is unconditional love. Um, Another definition of covenant love that I love is I'm not going anywhere. It's mostly expressed in God's love for us, first of all, through Israel, that he made a covenant relationship with Israel through Abraham, basically said, I'm not going anywhere. I love you. And the covenant love that God made with Israel uh, continued even after Jesus came into the world. Paul says that Israel was set aside for a season until the fullness of the Gentiles comes into God's kingdom, and then they're going to have a massive numbers of Jews who will come to faith in Jesus. And by the way, we've had four or five in the Forest Hill global campuses come to faith within the last several months of Jewish background who've now come to faith in Jesus. And that covenant love that God made with Abraham is irrevocable. I'm not going anywhere. It's still in place just until the fullness of all Gentiles come into the kingdom of God. Now, that covenant love is expressed between Ruth and Naomi in a powerful way. It is. But, you know, it's interesting because we think covenant love is what holds all believers together. Once people are in the body of Christ, we love each other with a covenant love, certainly starting, obviously, with marriage and your love for your children, but it's also the love we all have for each other. And I think Ruth's um, demonstration of this covenant love was so stunning Really, because again, she had been a Moabitess. She was outside the community of faith. But when she made that pronouncement or that covenant to Naomi, she basically was accepting God as her God too, again, which was stunning. So that by the time they made their way back to, to Israel in, in, the, in the tribal village there, her reputation somehow had preceded her. Yeah. And they were blown away so that one of the men comes up to her and basically says this, everybody in town knows that you are a woman of valor. Ruth is the only person in the entire Bible, the only woman to be called by name a woman of valor. And this was what they used as the term to, to like 
honor her for this covenant love. Yeah. And in case you don't know the rest of the story, Ruth comes back and just starts to work in order to supply for her and Naomi. A man named Boaz, who's a good bit older than she is, looks at her and is attracted to her, finds out that Elimelech was in his lineage and in what's called the kinsman redeemer process in Israel's law, that the next person in line to someone who had died could marry the wife. Boaz realizes he's next in line and works with yeah. the elders of the city, goes to them, says, may I have the kinsman redeemer for Ruth? And they agree, and so he ends up marrying her, and the rest of the story is just astounding. Well, it's stunning because, first of all, she was called a woman of valor before she was even married. So a woman of valor can be anybody. Just remember, she was an outsider, and I can't impress upon you how disdain the Moabites were. So it's just amazing to me that here she is now married to Boaz and they have a son named Obed. Well, Obed ends up being the grandfather of King David, which many of you are familiar with because that's in the lineage of Jesus. And when you get to the first chapter of the book of Matthew where they do the whole genealogy, Ruth is right in there, one of the very few women whose names are listed in the actual lineage of Jesus. So part of what I wanted to say to all of you this morning is you may feel like an outsider, you may feel like, like a broken, hopeless, despairing person. God couldn't possibly use someone like me. Remember Ruth. Remember Ruth, an outsider from a godless nation that God chose to come be a part of his covenant love family. And through her, brought in King David. And then let's go now to Romans 1. And through King David comes into the world in his lineage, who? Our Lord and Savior, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. So Ruth is in the lineage of the birthing of Jesus into the world. So don't think you're ever yeah. useless. Don't think you're ever worthless. Don't think you're beyond God's love and covenant mercies. Oh no, dear friends, you are right in the plan of God. Trust him and you might see your life being used to change the world in decades and generations to come. It's a wonderful story. It is. And this concept of covenant love, again, and we keep saying this over and over and over, it's God's love for you. So that's the most important thing. But we're going to find it threaded throughout different passages of scripture. And when you get back to Proverbs 31, let's go back there. Because the Proverbs 31 woman, as she is known, demonstrates covenant love in her family to her children. And then we'll find out next week how she does this with the rest of the world around her. But there's an interesting sentence in those 10 verses. And I think next week we need to bring the poem. Are you going to sing it then? Do you really want me to? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll so. give you the poem so you can go home and all <laughs> can your Can I husbands. sing the Temptations, My Girl, or something yeah. like that? Would they be okay? No, I Well, guess you don't have to turn into a Jewish family, but you can say these verses if you want to next week to your wives and, and those in your families. But anyway, it says here um, that the heart of her husband trusts in her. This is Proverbs 31, 11, and 12. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he'll have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Do you hear the covenant theme coming through there? Mm -hmm. And it's there in such a powerful way to express for Christians the covenant love we know through Jesus. Um, for those of you who know what happens at the Lord's table that we celebrate here, um, Jesus said as he gave that to his disciples, Behold, I give you a new covenant through my blood through my death to you. And that new covenant basically is when we have a relationship with Jesus, he abides in us and we abide in him. There's a glue in our lives. And what Jesus is saying to us is, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I will never leave you or forsake you. Or his last words before he ascended into heaven, lo, I'll be with you when? 
always, even to the close of the age. So his life is in us. Our life is in him. That's the uniqueness of a personal relationship with Jesus. And folks, I don't know what you were taught the Christian faith is all about, but it's not rules and regulations. It's not a toxic, you must, you should, you ought, or God's going to get you. It is a personal, living, dynamic relationship with the God of this universe through his son, Jesus, that melts our lives into his, his life into us. And we know personally every single second of every single day his covenant love deeply and abiding within us. And do you think maybe, and I think this is what's coming through to me as I study this concept more, it takes valor to love somebody with a covenant love. Yeah. It takes valor in relationships. We're going to see in a minute that it takes valor in marriage. But I bet many of you right now are talk, uh, think, talking to yourself saying, you know, the way I'm loving X, Y, or Z, this person in my life, sometimes I have to draw on valor to stay true. We wanted to give you a video now that expresses the covenant love in marriage, recognizing that many of you are single. But just watch this because it expresses what marriage should be. If you go toward marriage, this is what God would intend. And remind yourselves that in your vows that you take with your spouse, that you say to them, for better or for worse, rich or poor, sickness and in health, and then you're supposed to say, at least I lead my couples that I marry with these words, and I do promise and covenant before God and these witnesses. And recognize, we had a millennial friend of ours this week mm -hmm. tell us that a lot of you millennial folks have never been taught the meaning of covenant in marriage and you still think it's a contract. It's not a contract. A contract is based on the performance of the other and if the other doesn't perform well, you can break the contract. Folks, that's not covenant. It's not the covenant we have with Jesus. It's not the covenant he intended there to be in marriage. Covenant means I'm not going anywhere. Covenant means I am committed forever, back doors locked from the outside. And we have a video that we saw this week we wanted to share with you. In fact, we had to get permission to show it to you, but we did. And it is so powerful to express the truth that we're trying to get across at this moment. Would you please watch this? And I know it's going to stir a lot of emotions in some of you, but it's still a powerful truth that we want to show you. Please watch this. And watch closely to the closet, yeah. okay? Watch, watch when you the see closet. the closet, make sure yeah. you notice the clothing in the closet. Okay. Singer Zandra Day, um, when we sought permission to use the video, the producers finally gave it to us and they said, you know, she's going to be happy with this. She's spiritual. And the truth is, we went online, she's a deeply committed follower of Jesus. And I know that video stirs up emotions in some of you, and you had somebody leave you. And um, if you're in an abusive relationship, please, please hear from me. Get help, and you don't have to stay in that abuse. But nevertheless, that, that video is an example of covenant love. Did you notice he's military? Yeah, and you know what? She you is too, that? don't you think? She's military too. I mean, not, not technically, but I was just thinking, he's yeah. military but she's a, she's a woman of valor, isn't she? Operating in, in valor. And this is a little close to home for Marilyn and me both, and, and really should be for you as the body of Christ here at Forest Hill South Park, is, is first of all, that's Jonathan Scott's life every day mm -hmm. with Kathleen. Mm -hmm. It's his life every single day. Yes. And she, for those of you who may not know, Jonathan, who led worship up here earlier, and will come back later and do it, uh, Kathleen's got MS. Mm -hmm. She's in a wheelchair. He does that for her every single day. Also, for my dad, I watched him do that for my mom. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the last five years of her life with Alzheimer's, I watched him do that. 
and for you, your yeah, dad's doing it for your mom right now. It's been my dad every day for the last 10 years. And yeah. I think it's interesting because he is a World War II submarine yeah. veteran, which tells he's, you how he, old he is. He's, he's 90 caring, years old. Caring for her at home. And every so day she's in a wheelchair doing that. This so. probably hits for some of you as well. Maybe you're caring for somebody. Maybe you're watching somebody. But I think what a powerful demonstration yeah. of a man and a woman of valor. Yeah. So in, in marriage, that's what it's supposed to look like. And Christians' marriages are something different than the world's. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. And I somehow think most of us yearn for that, don't we? We really yearn. Deep down inside, we all yearn for that. And that's what Jesus desires. And if it didn't work in the first marriage, yeah. make it work Please. for your second. This make is about looking forward, yeah, not looking back. Yeah, you can make it work in this one through the covenant love of Jesus through you to another person. And interestingly, we think children watch that mm -hmm. and they see it. And it makes them want to honor the one expressing that kind of covenant love. In fact, with the Proverbs 31 woman, yeah. she practices that kind of valor. And what happens with her children? Well, it's interesting because, again, I encourage you to go back and read the verses. But another little section of Scripture describing her says this. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And then it says this, her children rise up and call her blessed. And that word, rise up, is more than just standing to your feet. It, it means in the, in the actual Hebrew to be strengthened, to be established, to be successful. So it's a very powerful term like it, rise up. And we want to emphasize that in, in parenting as well. And also, Marilyn, I want to say you need to know our marriage isn't perfect. I mean, there are a lot of times I'm a jerk in the name of Jesus, of course, but I'm, I mean, I do some really bad things and, and I have to say, please forgive me. I'm, I'm really sorry. And we have to work through stuff just like you do. But what binds us together is our common covenant, covenant love in Jesus. Yeah. Really and I is. think that combined with the, the intentional parenting, we had a mom last night come up to us that raised her children as a single mom. And she said, I believe everything that you're saying. And I didn't choose for my husband to leave, but I practiced that kind of covenant love for my children. And they saw that. And, and so her I boys just, have turned out really her, well. Yeah, they've turned out really well. And I looked at her and I said, boy, you are truly a woman of valor. But that's part of what made this Proverbs 31 woman tick. You know, she was part nurturer. And we've always kind of gotten that. That's what those verses are mostly interpreted as. But I th hope but that after today and after this series that you're seeing she was also a warrior. Could you give some practical illustrations of women and people of valor that would include everybody who's here today? Yeah, well, first of all, let's just, let's just state the obvious, that when you show valor in your home, you know, those of you that are caring for children, it takes valor, doesn't it, to raise your children? You know, I stayed at home with our kids. Then there were times later on when I worked. Some of you women out there are doing both. You're working and caring for your children. I don't know what house what your household looks like for you, but if you're caring for children, you men, if you're caring for children, valor starts at home. And then to expand that a little bit, well, you've got Allie and Matt, and you saw the example of when they brought another child into their house. Um, Sean Sindler that was up here earlier, whom you'll see later, um, he and Heather had two biological children, then they fostered three children, and now they've adopted them all, so they call mm -hmm. themselves 
the sinless seven. Um, we even know women in our, in our congregation who are not yet married but have felt compelled to adopt or foster kids just to bring them in their home. And then I'm thinking of my good friend who is a, a banker up in, Char um, you know, in the Charlotte banking sector and high-powered career person, but she is really taking on these Seeds of Hope scholars as kind of her household. Again, not married, no kids of her own, but she's mentoring these kids that want to get to college in such a way that one of them said to me, she means more to me, and she's had a greater impact on my life than my own mom. Um, there are tons of ways, in, in, a, in a more you know, peripheral way, when you're a reading mentor, maybe you're not bringing that child into your home, but you're bringing your home, home to, to that, that child. child. Mm -hmm. um, there are just all kinds of ways. We can be men and women of valor, but again, I think starting at home, what does our household look like? And household might look different for all mm -hmm. of us. We want to make sure that we say to all of you that wherever you are, there's your mission field. Mm -hmm that that's your place where God has called you to make a difference and to be a person of covenant love, even in the place that does not express that kind of love to one another. And, and hospitality and hospital come from the same word, don't they? So when you're home, when you're showing hospitality, don't underestimate that if you're a follower of Christ and you're showing hospitality, you're bringing healing and hope to yes. somebody that might desperately need uh, it. Another illustration you shared with me that I loved was a, a young Jewish single woman in New York City, high-powered, right. but felt the same call to the to homeless, right, that we talked homeless. about last week. The homeless were her household. Mm. So. And, I, and I just know that, that God has a plan for all of you to be instruments of his love, peace, mercy, wherever he calls you. You can make a difference in this world by being a person of valor and courage, expressing God's covenant love through you to people all around you to help make this world a better place in which to live. You so I guess people should ask, who is my household? Yeah. And how can I start to show valor yeah. in And it my begins home? with your own personal one, but then also outwardly wherever you may be. That's your household. You're expressing the household of God to people all around you. Well, and again, I'm going to say this, why the term valor? You know, this sounds rather tame because valor is a military term. But I think, David, that if we're naive, if we don't think we're in a war, you know, and I don't mean a physical war. I think if you're following, if you're trying to make a difference in this world and following Christ, you're in a spiritual war. And I think there are lots of reasons that this term valor comes up over and over and over in the Bible, and especially among the Jewish people. How long have they been at war? But I think we need to realize that this battle really does begin in prayer. Yeah. And if you are following Jesus, I promise you, there is an enemy of your soul who lives in the dark, malevolent world who wants to destroy you. And in October, to give you a preview of not the end of this one, the series is next week, and then we'll enter into this next series, I'm going to do a five-part series on spiritual warfare. And it's real, folks. I'll never forget my brother Howard who went into ministry, and I asked him one day, Howard, have you ever, um, do you believe in the devil? And he said, believe in him. I've met the sorry son of a gun. Well, because he's been Anybody in Anybody know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. I mean, and we're going to talk about how to do battle and yeah. to win with God's covenant well, and love. I, need to, I think we need to stress that word win because, friends, I think we are losing wars that we should be winning because Christ has already won the victory for us. Um, it was George Washington said that the best way to avoid war is to prepare for it. And I think as we suit up every day, and, and again, take, take seriously that call to be people of valor, we should be seeing that we win more. 
battles for our marriages and our families and our communities and our world. Jesus didn't leave us here on this earth to lose battles. He left us on this earth to win them. And I think we've gotten so comfortable with getting smacked around. It's time we become people of valor and start winning. Okay, let me start preaching some. John 16, <laughs> Jesus said, In this world you will have tribulations, but rejoice. I have overcome the world. 1 Corinthians 1, 14, Paul said, Thanks be to God who always leads us in the triumph through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8, 37, Paul said, I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ my Lord. That sounds like victory, doesn't it? And that's how Christians who live in covenant love with our Lord are supposed to live. Would you give God the glory for that? Would you please? That's the truth. We are not supposed to be defeated. The world's not supposed to win. The devil has been conquered through the powerful name of Jesus. So we have two things we want to leave you with. First of all, abide in Christ and be valorous people of God in Christ in this world. And secondly, wherever your household may be, be a person of valor. First of all, in your homes, with your marriages, with your children. And secondly, in your workplace, as you extend the kingdom of God and the covenant of God's love to the people all around you. And if you do that, dear friends, you will be a man and woman of valor. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.